you know, I have been a producer and a journalist and I've spent my entire career interviewing people. Um, but it was, it's when you're a producer, you're behind the scenes, you're behind the camera, you're handing off the story, sending it back to New York to be edited for a anchor's piece or, you know, in a documentary, you know, the story, your, your questions aren't part of it. You're just hearing, you know, the, the person direct to camera. So my big obstacle, I had a ton of fear about, well, now my voice, now I have to actually put myself out there. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Thank you, as always, for being here. What an incredible episode last week with Poopery founder and CEO Susie Batiste. Because of the nature of this week's guest, Kimmy Culp, and her new venture, All the Wiser Podcast, I want to mention how grateful I am that someone of Susie's stature would seek me out to be on this show. It's amazing to me, and it relates to the conversation you're about to hear with Kimmy. For those of you who have been with me and the show from the beginning, you may remember Kimmy Culp. She was episode two, my first interview after the short intro episode. If you haven't heard that one yet, you need to go listen, but here are the highlights. Kimmy was a journalist of the highest quality, having had long stints working for Oprah, then Diane Sawyer. She got burnt out on the kinds of stories she was reporting on. Wait till you hear about her experiences with 9-11 and Columbine. You really have to hear it for yourselves. She had kids. Then she came back into the workforce to tell the story of one of her best friend's husband, former New Orleans Saint football player Steve Gleason, with the amazing documentary Gleason about his emotional and inspiring battle with ALS. Kimmy does nothing halfway. That film made a record sale at Amazon, at Sundance, and has made major waves. And now she's reinventing herself yet again with her new podcast, All the Wiser, which launched Wednesday, April 3rd. The purpose of this conversation originally was just to help get the word out so you guys could check out Kimmy's podcast. But as we prepared to release this, I realized it's also a conversation about what it takes to launch something, the attention to detail required if you want something to be top quality, the process of learning about how to do something new only by actually doing it, the power of being intentional, and the constant battle with your own inner critic when it comes to exposing yourself in a way that you've never quite done before. I'm proud to call her a friend, and I'm inspired by the way she goes about pursuing new goals with an eye on mastery. Here she is, Kimmy Culp, the creator and host of the new All the Wiser podcast. Now, this is a new name because a couple of months ago, we sat down to kind of do the same thing. And I actually want people to hear this, that the evolution that's happened as you've gone out and done, how many interviews have you done as of now? Um, up to, close to a dozen. 
Close to a dozen. And yeah. are you, you're planning on doing it in seasons, right? So Correct. how long will a season be 12 episodes or? 10 episodes. 10. So you've already got the first season is yep. in the can. Yep. Um, and what was it, what was it called before? It's all the wiser now, but what was it originally? There was several names. So <laughs> I can't remember where I was in the process when we spoke last, but um, yeah, it evolved. And I think as with anything, something starts as um, a germ of germ of an idea. And once it grows and you really have, I was really, you know, combing the country much like you do, trying to find incredible stories. And when I started to see the consistency and um, the arc of their stories, I realized it was really about um, wisdom that comes, you know, normally on on the tail end or the back end of something um, extraordinary that's happened. Most of these stories are really dramatic in nature, but there was a personal transformation that took place and then it became timeless wisdom. So the intention is really then sharing that wisdom um, with the audience uh, as a gift to the listener. And so you, does it focus just on one particular event in general, like like when you, you know, when I sit down with people, we kind of talk about their, a little bit of their origin story, a little bit of what they're into now. It'll, it'll cover some uh, areas where they've been knocked down or had perceived failures, but is yours really honing in on like one specific event that was life-changing? It is. And I'll give you some examples to really illustrate the types of stories we're telling. Um, so I was in New York recently and I interviewed Bob Woodruff. So Bob, some of you may know his story, takes Peter Jennings' anchor chair, you know, one of the biggest jobs in television, certainly in network news, and six weeks later is blown up by an IED covering the war in Iraq. So 40 days in a coma, head trauma, his life has completely changed. He comes out the other end of that experience, a very different man the day he was before. And his wife, um, which he shares this story, he had... He had four young kids at the time, two twin daughters. And one of the twins comes up to her mom and says, it's scary to look at dad's face. And he has all those rock things and he looks so different. But you know what, mom? I think he loves me more. And so that's the type of change and transformation um, coming out on the other end of these things. I interviewed um, Matt Paulson. He's the CEO and founder of Omaze, which is like insanely cool company if you don't know about it. I don't know about it. Okay. I feel like I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. All right. Is. So we should, everybody needs to know about this. <laughs> so basically what they do is they auction off once in a lifetime experiences to raise money for charity. So people go to these fancy fundraisers, courtside with Magic Johnson, but it was just a small group of people. And, um, you know, people who could afford it, which 99% of the people can't bid $25,000 um, for a charity. And they said, why not democratize this um, and make it accessible to anyone in the world? You know, for $10, uh, we'll raise more money and everybody gets access. Um, so they um, auctioned off uh, Walk on Roland Star Wars, Walk the Red Carpet with George Clooney, um, and they're upward, I think they've raised $130 million for charity. Holy crap, yeah. really? So Matt, who's the CEO and founder of this company, Father's Day of this year, bachelor, he's like good looking, articulate, tech CEO, he's he's really got it going on. Um, uh, the day he was born, he had a surgery and almost died. 
um, they told his mom he wouldn't make it and he makes it. A piece of the scar tissue breaks off in his body 40 years later. He ends up flatlining in a coma for three days. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. He's getting ready for a second date on Father's Day night and ends up um, dying and has this full experience. I mean, vividly remembers coming out and, and shares in the interview. Um, and, you know, he he is this, this guy who, again... <laughs> The day before and fast forward six months later when he's having this conversation is a different person. And what he said, he's really funny. He drops F-bombs and he tells the story of what happened to the girl who's going on the second date and um, really, really like a lot of levity. But he said, you know, I said, how have you changed? And he said, I look, I look down at my phone less and up at the stars more. And so, wow. so that's really, it's kind of a dramatic mental beginning, a really sort of, most of these cases, a dramatic middle. And then what is the takeaway and wisdom? Um, you know, because I think when people reflect, why did this happen to me? How am I different? They've got some pretty great, insightful answers. Yeah. And you had Matt Long, who I, I've had on 10,000 No's, who had a, a similar kind of very specific event, right? And you really enjoyed sitting down with him. And well, I have to thank you because you know part of my um, the road in leading me to launch this podcast was I really fell in love um, with the art of podcasting um, and just listening to him and getting so much takeaway. And ten thousand knows was. Absolutely part of that. I mean, I've told you stories. She's only saying that because she's on the show. I, it's a lie. It's a lie, Matt Del Negro. I told you no, I know. about being yeah. on a vacation yeah, in the Bahamas and sitting there hearing um, hearing your interview. I think it was Maggie Nielsen. Um, and so, you know, Matt, you made that introduction to me, your, you know, lifelong friend, or I should say from your 20s, you know, who was a 9-11 firefighter. You heard him on 10,000 No's and being hit by a 40,000 pound bus and, you know, eventually becoming, um, you know, this incredible athlete and exceptional speaker and, you know, out the other end. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that, that, the time meeting Matt, the time I got to spend with him, I spent, uh, the morning before the interview walking in Central Park in the rain with my hood on listening to your interview for the second time. And a lot of your conversation inspired questions and inspired my conversation, uh, which was really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it is. It's such a, I love it. I love the medium. I love sitting down, um, w with people like yourself and just, and, and, being able to get deep with people. And in, in your case, or in our case, we knew each other prior to this and something like with Matt, I knew him prior to it. But when you, sometimes you sit down with people that you've never met before, but it's, it's like, it's okay to really get in there and yeah. grapple with the big questions. And I, I really love that. And I love also for the listeners, how intimate it is. It's, you know, fly on the wall. So have you... With with your guests, did you know, for example, Matt, you did not know ahead of time. Correct. You, you knew him through me. Uh, the others, did you know them beforehand, any of them, or was it kind of a mixed It's bag? a mix. It's, it's a, a mix. mix. Yeah. So how did you, because yours is so specific, how do you make decisions on who you're going to have on the show? I think it's two things. It's um, 
my background's in journalism. So our job was to find stories about real people and share them. Um, that platform was television. So it's a ton of research. There's so many, you know, obvious places to go, TED Talks, Moth Talks, finding people. And for me, it is um, the story itself and then um, the ability to tell that story well. Because I think some people have really you know, incredible, extraordinary things that happen to them, but articulating it and sharing it and reflecting on it um, is harder, you know, because of their personality or inhibitions or less vulnerability. So I think those are the two components. And I always think if I was at a dinner party and I sat next to someone and I couldn't get them out of my head, you know, for a week and every person I saw, you said, you would not believe the story this woman told me or this man. So in hearing them on online research or, you know, reaching out to them, is is that the type of, I mean, that's my hope. I don't know yeah. that I'll always get there, but I'm going to, I'm going to aim for, for those, those types of stories that really stick with you. Well, that, what, that's what I kind of wanted to touch on because um, I want be, I'm constantly talking on this show about you know, it's, not, I mean, the whole point of the show is that it's not as easy as it looks and anybody you, you look at that you think, oh, they've got it made, you scratch a surface, it's like a ton of work goes into it. And so, you know, I want to point out to people, Kimmy worked for Oprah for a long time, Diane Sawyer for a long time. Like, this is what she does. She, she made this movie that made huge waves. Like, this is what she does. And yet- you know, we sat down, I want to say it was like November or December or something. And we kind of attempted to have this, we did have this conversation. And I was going to release that. And then you called me and you said, it's evolved so much. I've learned so much by doing it. And that's kind of one of the big things you talk about here is like, you, you don't know what something's going to be until you actually do it. So what are the things that you thought podcasting was going to be versus what you know it to be now, which is also going to be different from what you're going to know it to be a year from now? Well, the first thing, thing, and I text you this all the time is, Matt, I have no idea how the F you're doing this with acting and everything else you do. No idea how much work it was going to be. And I kind of had this idea, you know, when I'm sharing I, almost a little bit of insecurity, like, you know, 10 years ago, it's like, oh, everyone has a blog. Now it's, you know, there's so much podcasts. I'm like, what are you doing? I have a podcast, starting a podcast. My, I got to interject. <laughs> my, my buddy, Chris Messina, when I started, he's like, Everybody's got a podcast, a podcast and a dream. So now when we when we see each other, it's always like potty and a dream. That's the, <laughs> that's like the the joke tagline because everybody does have a podcast now. But sorry, go on. Yeah. So um, I had no idea how much work it was going to be. Um, you know, I have been a producer and a journalist and I've spent my entire career interviewing people. Um but it was, it's when you're a producer, you're behind the scenes, you're behind the camera, you're handing off the story, sending it back to New York to be edited for an anchor's piece or, you know, in a documentary, you know, the story, your, your questions aren't part of it. You're just hearing, you know, the, the person direct to camera. So my big obstacle, I had a ton of fear about 
well, now my voice, now I have to actually put myself out there. You know, this has my, my voice, my name. And so I knew I was comfortable having these conversations with people, but what I wasn't comfortable doing was sort of exposing myself, right? Because what if, what if I fail? What if people don't like it? You know, what if there's rejection? And I had times, and I've got to tell you, Matt, I've still done this. I had one point where I had written the draft emails to get the guest. And some of these guests, you know, they've got, you know, big books and big careers and they're paid a bunch of money to speak around the planet. So you're like, why would they, you know, want to do this? We haven't launched yet. And that draft would just sit there in my Gmail draft box for like 14 days. And I would finally be at a coffee shop and be like, screw it. Screw it. I'm going to hit send. And what's the worst thing that could happen? So I think for me, I I feel a sense um, of vulnerability and, and how kind of personally tied to it I am. And um, so, yeah I, yeah, I think those are some of the, and, you know, they say, I've listened to and read so much that's out there about this platform and this process. And even, you know, the people who are at the top of their game and reaching tens of millions of people say they look back at interview one and cringe. And I already, not that far in, will, you know, be editing some of these things and be like, oh, you know, why did I say, oh, I should have paused, you know, so I, it's not, it's not perfect. Yeah. I told you that, that after hearing your episode, which was, I think episode, I had my solo episode and I think episode two might've been you, maybe it was two or three. And I had- not even listen. We, we've approached it very differently, you and I, I think. But I had sent it off to the editor. I had not listened to it. Thank God. Because when I, I remember coming back to LA, was in the house by myself and listened to my interview with you. And literally, like, my stomach was twisted. And I felt like I was going to puke. And I was like, I can't believe I put this out in the world. You sounded great, really articulate. I was dropping F-bombs, interrupting you. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. This is terrible. I shouldn't do it. And I was like, well, it's out there already. And yeah. I had nowhere to go. And then it's the best thing ever because yeah. you look back and, and and actually somebody recently listened to it and was like, oh, I didn't even notice that you were doing that because you guys were engaged. And it's like, my takeaway is who cares? Yeah. Put it. Put it out there, make it better the next time. It's not going to be perfect. Go. Yeah. You know? And what, I, what I'm what i looking forward to with yours, though, is, um, you know, I'll listen to a bunch of different podcasts and different styles, and some of them are raw like mine, and I appreciate that. And some of them are, are edited more to be like a tighter um, arc. And- I'm thinking of how I built this. Do you know that one? Yeah, I love Guy it. Raz, which is yeah. great. I just discovered it recently. But in a different way, it's like, that's what you're, I feel like yours is going to be, we sit down and we have, how long are the episodes? Um, the, between 40 minutes and an hour, some mm-hmm. less actually 30 to an hour, depending on the conversation. And they're really like, you're going to know, like, I'm going to get a big, you know, they're going to drop a big bomb of knowledge on Yeah, I would say they're dramatic in in nature without yeah. question. Yeah. Um and we're, you know, the a big part of the podcast and the intention and and the vision is it's a one for one podcast. So the idea was looking at these companies that I had always been really inspired by, intrigued by with products like Tom's shoes and one for one or Warby Parker 
where there was a charitable match based on a product. I really wanted to explore this idea of doing that with storytelling. And I knew that a story can inspire somebody. And, you know, you never know. And Matt, with your podcast, this is so true. It like ideally you have a feedback loop and someone on Instagram, you know, was like, this was really moved or, you know, because of you, I took the risk or sent the email or made the call. But so many people have been touched and you're never going to know, right? So that's the crazy thing of sharing these stories and the faith and hope you have to have and just putting it out there and being like, if one person is moved, like it was time well spent, it was worth it. Um, So I knew that stories just by virtue of telling sort of had that component. But I thought, well, what if there's something sort of like metrics or a way to to partner? So the goal is 50 inspiring stories, $100,000 donated to chari- charities around the world. So for each story, it ends with, um, you know, what charity are you supporting today and why? Um, and then that charity receives a contribution and then we provide them with all the content so they can reach out to their network and say, you know, you know, here's how head trauma, you know, affected this person or, um, you know, that's awesome. So now let me, let me ask you, because there are, there are probably podcasters listening or people that are thinking about launching a podcast. And I'm thinking for myself, like, I love that idea. How did you go about doing that? And like, did you have to partner up with someone who specializes in that? And where does the money come from that goes to those charities? Like, or do you, did you have to raise money and then that money is going toward the charities or do you? Well, how I've started is, is personally contributing to, to build this. So personally having that charity component be part of the overall plan and architecture and vision. So personally contributing is is part of this model that I'm building and then um, gratefully finding um, a matching donation with a foundation. And my hope is that, you know, I think there's so many people out there um, who want to get back, who have charitable hearts and to expose a light on something, especially after you've heard how a single person or a family was directly impacted and you're sort of hooked in that if we can shed light and there's people who financially want to make a contribution, there's people who want to give time, there's people who want to like reach out to the person. So if we could shed a light um, on these charities, hopefully we could, you know, make an impact, um, you know, small or large. So my hope is to scale that um, and to be able to track that and hopefully, um, scale and grow the amount that these, um, these, these stories can raise and getting matching grants or ideally I would love eventually to get, whether it's more foundations or institutions or a brand to match, um, donations. That's really cool. And that's, what's one of those things where, um, I just, I hear that and I go, God, like I want to shoot myself in the foot. And then I also go, or I've shot myself in the foot, I could say, and and I go, well, it's not too late. It's something for me to think about because that's the the whole thing with this is like, how, how do you encourage people? But if you add that financial component, because I have found that people will reach out to me and they, they're, they kind of want to help or they want to get involved in some way, but I, there's no mechanism in place for them to really do it in a way like that, that's like, you know, concrete. So that's, 
I, I love that you've done that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited about that piece, and I'm still, um, you know, thinking about how do we create as much value as possible for these groups that we're partnering with. Um, you know, how do we tell help them um, in a small way, tell their story, share their story, and then how do we reach the largest audience possible to hopefully, you know, activate them or at a minimum, um, you know, raise, raise some awareness, awareness yeah. while listening to an, an entertaining, inspiring, you know, conversation, which is a cool, interesting way to, um, be, you know, become aware of something new <laughs> when you also hopefully are entertained by the conversation at the same time. Yeah. And that's yeah. the goal. That's and the, the goal. And it's the power of story because everybody, yeah. you know, everybody, if, if they can, if you can hook into people emotionally, they want to get involved. And like you said, there are people that have, you know, money's not the, the problem. They're just like, well, what do I do? How can I, where can I give it to something that means something to me? So if they hear your story, it's nice to put a face to an issue and, yeah. and like to really get, get underneath it and really get this person's story. I love it. Um, what else? Okay. So we had talked, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago. And one of the things and you kind of touched on it just now, when you said you go back and you cringe, but one of the things you had said was in the beginning, you felt like you were more formal or something. And then, and then like, I don't know, it was a few maybe there was one particular conversation with a friend or something where it felt like. Oh, you, Matt, you, like the crazy things in just, you know, 10 conversations, um, you know, one interview, we were sort of sitting across from each other in the table. And I realized in, there was a formality to that conversation. And, you know, I compared it to another interview I did where we literally sort of had our feet tucked up on a couch and, you know, the microphone set up and I'm like, you can feel the intimacy. It feels like you're listening in on a conversation that's happened, you know? So, and I think in, um, in listening, um, to some of the first interviews I did, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm saying first interviews, how I'm going to share which, these, which what sequence. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably going to hear the ones I think are the strongest first, if you decide to tune in, thanks to Matt and 10,000 no's. Um, but that my personality wasn't coming through. I was being a little bit more reserved and formal in my questions. Um, and I like to believe I'm somebody who, you know, can be light and as we discussed, drop an F-bomb here and there yeah. and, um, you know, just be real and, and raw. And so I think the more I just was myself and less formal, um, that that ultimately that creates um, a better quote unquote product. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Is you know, people. You're if you're listening, you can't see this, but I have the, the couch there. It's kind of like a love seat, and you see that behind you. I used to have the mic over there, and I would have I would sit there, and the guest would sit there, and I that was my theory through life was every time I've gone on a road trip with anybody like, you know, in high, like all the way back to high school, going skiing, like driving up to Vermont to go skiing and you're both looking out or I've driven cross country a couple of times and you're both looking out and you have this, you know, you have new landscape coming, you're side to side. So you're not, it's not so intimate that, that you, you know, you, yeah. you almost feel safe that you can kind of let stuff out. And I've found conversations have gotten 
deeper in that way because people are more apt to open up. And yet, as you know now, we're, we're facing each other. That's because I had somebody on the couch, Ben O'Dell, actually, he's a producer, it's a great, a really great conversation. But we felt like we were, it was like awkward with the mics and we were moving and it, and it, it just, you know. Well, yeah, and the reason. one, I mean, I've done it in, in different um, environments that I said, but that one I talked about in New York, you know, um, it was at a friend's production company, but they have a conference room. So it was like a conference room setting. There was like fluorescent lightings. Right. Here we're in this cozy back house. I'm on like a blue velvet couch, yeah. you know? So it was more just, you yeah, know- The whole vibe felt like the work. Whole, the whole, exactly. It felt yeah. like work. And so it made me think um, that, that about details and the importance of details and to not just think about story level of storytelling, doing the research, but what environment- are you going to create that's going to allow for an intimate, real conversation? Yeah. And I would not, again, book a conference room with fluorescent lighting to have the types of conversations that I want to have with people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, uh, I kind of love that from an acting standpoint or filmmaking standpoint, because it's like, yeah, it's almost like you, um, in in those situations left out a very, you know, a very big detail, which is like, what's the set? Yeah. You know, it's like, so you're, it's like you're, you're acting, you know what your character is, you know what the, the script is, you know, or what the, the arc is going to be, but it's like, well, what's the setting? And, and you're, you know, it's like doing a scene that's supposed to be on a mountaintop in a kitchen, you know, and it, and it just, it's something it's it's very interesting to me, and it's what what I find cool to to talk to you about this. And I I'd love like in a year from now when it's you know the top of the charts to talk again is um, just how it has evolved, and I'm guessing how it's going to evolve even more. Just because as you do it, you're you're smart, and you're going to constantly be pushing yourself to go, well, how could I do that better? Oh, I could do this. I could do that. And so I'm really excited to see even where it grows from here. Yeah. And, and you do learn, um, you know, as I shared, like thinking about the environment, I mean, even learning this technical, I took for granted as a producer, you know, there was always a DP, you know, director of photography, there was, you know, an audio technician. (laughs) And now I'm like, shit, I got to learn all this stuff on my own. Like, can I do this? And I was in New Orleans um, interviewing, you mentioned our friends, Steve and Michelle Gleason and their journey with um, him living with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And so I'm doing that as a two-part interview, which I'm really excited about. Um, And, you know, I asked, they have a seven-year-old son, Rivers. I said, could I ask Rivers three questions so he can be a part of this. I'd love to hear from him. Um, so I had just had three questions and Rivers and I sat down on a couch and, you know, one of the questions I asked him is, you know, Rivers, if there was another kid and they just learned their mom or dad had ALS, what would you say? And he said, I would look at them and I would say, everything is going to be okay. I promise. And I looked down and I had not hit record. And <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I was like melting. I'm like this seven-year-old voice and the wisdom. of Rivers, buddy, just say that one more time, a little bit louder. The wisdom this kid is sharing. And then um, he's, you know, my my dear friend's son. And so I was like, oh, I was like, buddy, guess what? I didn't hit record. Can we do that again? He's like, 
I don't know. I forgot what I said. I'm like, remember how you said <laughs> <laughs> And so, yes, like I've already like, you know, even that, like the the technical stuff, which is a part of this is, uh, you know, remembering to hit the record button. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, I mean, I told you when, when you, you know, showed up today, I said the first time that we sat down to record, we didn't even record, right? Did we, did we not even record it the first time? You came over and yes. I could not figure out Correct. how to get the two tracks at the same time. And I was so embarrassed. And then, you know, today it's like bing, bang, boom. It's just, this is where, you know, I'm, I've probably done almost 90 of these now. And so it's- You know, you had, you couldn't figure out the technology and then you were so apologetic. And then I'm like, I actually think this is meant to be, um, was in the verge of tears in your- <laughs> Uh, in your driveway, I just got in a horrible fender bender. (laughs) So I was like, my head was not in the game. I was just thinking about the fender bender and the insurance and, you know, um, and so it was, that day was not meant to be. And, and, and that's kind of, um, it's kind of a good way to wrap this up, which is, you know, everybody, everybody that's listening, you know, you, the comments that I get back, people, like to hear that it's raw. People like, you know, the guests that are on. People like that it kind of encourages them. And and that's kind of the the whole point of it is like, we sat down, we didn't get it done. You sat down with River, you didn't hit record. You know, I was throwing too many F-bombs. Uh, whatever it might be, you know, you were in a fluorescent lighted, you know, office space or whatever. And, and that's kind of, I think the beauty of of all of this is it's the fact that you're striving to do it and the fact that you're taking these stories that need to be heard. Um, and I really do want people, if you're listening, uh, I, I want you, you know, this, this is shorter than, than our original conversation we had, but really go back and listen to what kind of brought Kimmy's journalistic career to an end really, not that it was brought to an end, she decided to stop, was because the kinds of stories she was telling, she was like, what am I, you know, what am I reporting on? And what am I bringing? And can I handle this kind of thing? And what I love is that here we are, you did that, then you went and you told the Gleason story, and then you weren't kind of sure what you were going to do, where you're going to pivot. And now it's this. And, and from where I'm sitting, this is perfect for you. you you've got a family. You're able to do that. Yes. You said it's more work than you thought it was going to be, but it's, it's not like the craziness that you came from when you were in your twenties and the stories. I'm so excited to hear what stories you with your professional background and just, you know, knowing you as a person, you deem to be worthy of putting on your podcast. Like I, I guaranteeing anybody listening it will be awesome. I, I I will say that it will be awesome. I can't wait for it. Thank you, Matt. Um, thank you. And let everybody know again where it is, where it's going to be on podcast, Apple Podcasts, it's going to be on Spotify, all like anywhere. Yes, anywhere listen. you can find podcasts. Um, premiere date, launch date, I should say, is Wednesday, April 
3rd. Um, and you can find us, we'll be on Instagram at All The Wiser Podcast and on Facebook at All The Wiser Podcast. And you can check us out at Line or shoot me an email at hello at All The Wiser Podcast. So now I've said the name four times. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you is don't it, forget is there it. also like an allthewiserpodcast.com? Or just like a yes, website that's, that's the, that's the site. And that's where you can reach me and you can... Um, you know, find all the content on there. And you can also um, click on our one-to-one page and link to all the charities and learn more about that work or make a matching donation, donation of any size. Okay, great. And uh, so when you're hearing this, guys, this will be nine days ago. Hopefully you've already discovered it. If you have not, go check it out. Um, And just a lot more time for 10,000 no's too. Don't forget about me, you (laughs) bastards. Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you, Matt. Okay, maybe you noticed we didn't do our typical end of interview questions with Kimmy since we've done them before, but I still want to give you my top three takeaways. Number one, the balance of perfectionism and attention to detail with just pulling the trigger and launching. As you can tell, Kimmy is extremely intentional and detail-oriented, which is why she's risen to the top of everything she's pursued. However, at a certain point, she said, I need to let it rip. And she did. And it didn't go exactly as she planned or thought it would go, so she course-corrected. There is no correct answer to where one should be on this spectrum. I've been both sometimes too careful, which has led me to never launch ideas, and sometimes too cavalier, which has led me to producing things that were less than stellar. I only bring it up for you to ask yourself honestly where you are on that spectrum when it comes to new ventures. Think it over and think how you could improve in some way to help your own cause. Number two, the power of being intentional. Kimmy's planning for this launch, which has taken a long time, will pay off in that she has thought big from the start. The infrastructure is in place for this podcast to scale and have real impact. Hearing her say this was a reminder to me that sometimes quickest to market is not always best. Number three, courage. It's exemplified in all the stories Kimmy will be exploring with her guests, and it's also on display just in Kimmy's decision to create this new venture. She doesn't need it. She already succeeded. She could just coast, but she chose to confront something in herself. She chose to put her skill set back to the test and took a risk with this new podcast, and I believe that's necessary for all of us. No matter how old we get, Always find some purpose to guide us so we're getting up in the morning with energy to make a change or help others. All right, everyone. Thanks to all of you for listening. I hope you'll take a stroll over to the All the Wiser podcast and give it a shot for Kimmy's sake and yours. I bet it'll inspire. And for those of you asking what you can do to help 10,000 knows, just share it with your family and friends, word of mouth, social media, if you feel it could help them. If this show helps one person, it's a success. So that's the best way to help us. And if you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, just sign up so you get these episodes on your device every week. If you dug Kimmy, I suggest checking out my past conversations with Susie Batiste, who I mentioned from last week's episode, popular podcaster Kathy Heller of Don't Keep Your Day Job fame, and of course, with Kimmy herself from 2017. Next week, I am very excited that on the day of our new Netflix comedy series, uh, Huge in France, the day that it releases for streaming Friday, April 12th. I have the honor of having our lead and co-creator, comedian Gad Elmaleh. You cannot miss that one. 
unless you're missing it because you're binging huge in France. Uh, reminder, follow me on social media for announcements and promo videos of who's next. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at info at 10,000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list. Until then, thanks again and enjoy your week. <laughs>